Okay, it's almost that time. Mayor Finkelai, welcome to the November 16th, 2021 City Commission meeting. Before we get going, we'll have a few words from Porter O'Neill, our Communications and Creative Resource Manager. Porter, we can't hear you. There you go. I was just seeing if everybody was paying attention. <laughs> uh, thank you, Mayor. Good evening, everyone. I just have a few housekeeping items for the Zoom meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name each time you speak for the benefit of those participating remotely. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to Mayor Finkeldye. Mayor Finkeldye, thank you, Porter. I'll now do roll call. Vice Mayor Shipley. Here. Commissioner Ananda. Here. Commissioner Lawson. Here. Commissioner Bully. Here. Mayor Fingerlie. Here. All five of us are present. And now um, we'll hear from Sherry Riedemann, our city clerk, on the public participation process. Thank you, Mayor. Just a few procedural reminders. Commissioners and staff, please state your name and title each time you speak. Mayor, when a motion is made, please remember to call on commissioners individually to provide their vote and announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. <clears throat> when public comment is sought on an item, the mayor will first call on those participating in person. Individuals wishing to provide public comment should approach the podium following social distancing and safety protocols. Participants are required to wear a mask but may remove their mask while making remarks at the podium. Please state your name before speaking. Comments will be limited to three minutes. The mayor will then call on those participating virtually. Individuals providing public comment via Zoom should use the raise hand function to indicate they wish to speak. The raise hand function may appear in different places on your Zoom menu, depending on the device you are using and which version of Zoom you have. Individuals will be called upon by name in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. When you are called on, please unmute and state your name. Comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you, Mayor. Mayor Finkelai, thank you, Sherry. The first thing on our agenda is to approve the agenda. The City Commission reserves the right to amend, supplement, or reorder the agenda during the meeting. Would any commission like to amend the agenda? If not, I look for a motion. This is Commissioner Nanda. I move to approve the agenda. Commissioner Larson, second. Mayor Finkelai, there's a motion by Commissioner Nanda, a second by Commissioner Lawson. Commissioner Nanda? Aye. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Bully? Aye. Mayor Finkelai, aye. Passes 5 to 0. Next is the consent agenda. All matters listed on the consent agenda are considered under one motion will be approved by one motion. There'll be no separate discussion on those items. 
If discussion is desired, that item will be removed from the consent agenda and will be considered separately. Members of the public wishing to speak to an item that has been pulled off the consent agenda will be limited to three minutes for comments. First, are there any items a commissioner would like to pull off the consent agenda? If I see none, if there's any person present at City Hall who would like to pull an item off the agenda, please let Sherry know. Are there any items on the consent agenda you want to comment on? Okay. There's none here in City Hall, Mayor. Mayor Fingal, I thank you, Sherry. And then if there's any person on Zoom who would like to pull an item, and I think we got one email beforehand, just raise your hand and Sherry will call upon you. Barry Shalinsky. Barry, um, you want to pull 89A? Um, that is correct. Okay. We'll get to that in just a second. I want to make sure no one else wants to pull an item, and then I'll call upon you in a minute. Any other any other member of the public wish to pull an item? If so, raise your hand. Use the raise your hand feature. Seeing uh, none. Oh, Sherry, nope. did you see any? Nope. Thank you. Mayor Fingal, thank you, Sherry. We'll go ahead and make a motion on the consent agenda with the exception of 89A. This is Commissioner Ananda. I would move that we approve the consent agenda except for item, I believe it's B9A. I did that last week too. I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> B's, eights, they look the same. Commissioner Larson, second. Mayor Finkel, die. There's a motion by Commissioner Ananda, a second by Commissioner Lawson. Commissioner Ananda? Aye. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Bully? Aye. Mayor Finkel, aye. aye. Passes five to zero. We'll now take up B9A. And Barry, you pulled that off the agenda, so we'll go ahead and let you um, speak first on the item. Uh, thank you, Mayor and Commissioners. Uh, I sent a letter uh, regarding this matter, uh, which I think is pretty self-explanatory as to the reason that uh, I would like the uh, Commission to consider it further. Um, I'm here representing the East Lawrence Neighborhood Association as its president. Um, we have uh, adopted a position uh, that we can support the request for a special use permit. However, um, we have issue with a couple of the conditions that um, were presented. Uh, we believe that um, a uh, zoning ordinance and land use policies are the normal policy uh, that a city uses to govern land uses and that a special use permit should be the exception to that policy. As such, it is within um, the power of the governing body 
to determine the extent of that exception and to um, limit it uh, appropriately. We believe that um, where uh, an alcohol use is concerned, that it makes sense that that use should be time limited and that um, that use should be subject to review. In other words, not transferable. So that when this applicant no longer has need of this special use permit at this location, we believe that it should expire. And if a new applicant wishes to um, have alcohol at this location, then they can go ahead and submit a new application. That's really the basis of um, our concern. It's really a matter of public policy and allowing ample review for um, consideration and uh, review by the commission and the opportunity for uh, people in the neighborhood to weigh in on the suitability of the new applicant uh, as opposed to just having it be automatically assignable. We do have concerns about time. working, but we'll deal with those another time. Thank you. Mayor Finkelai, thank you. And we do um, do have your let, um, letter, Barry. Any questions for Barry? Mayor, this is Sherry Redeman, City Clerk. Can I also remind you, since this item was pulled, you will need to disclose any ex parte communications. Mayor Finkelai, thank you for that reminder. Um, we can go ahead and do that. I'll call on folks. I'll start by saying I've had no ex parte discussions on this. Vice Mayor Shipley? Um, I've, I've spoken with Barry before. Okay. Um, Commissioner Ananda? I have none. Commissioner Lawson? I have none. Commissioner Bowley? Um, this is Commissioner Bowley. I have heard from Phil Collison, who's an East Lawrence resident, and uh, I believe in the Neighborhood Association on this topic. I think everything we talked about, actually, I just listened to him, um, was, in, was in the information. Everything lie. Okay, thank you for that. Thank you, Sherry, for the reminder. Um, this always gets a little tricky when we're out of the nim um, typical order. Um, maybe I will go ahead and see if any member of staff wants to speak first and then we'll go to the applicant. I don't know if, I can't remember who had this item. Me. Mary, yes. that's right, Mary had this item. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add at this point, Mary, or? Yeah, Mary Miller, planner. I was just going to mention that as we went through the process, um, East Lords Neighborhood Association had a list of conditions. And so um, in the staff report, we had recommended that the applicant meet with the East Lawrence Neighborhood every year to discuss the project and how it's going and then report back to us. And um, when that went to the planning commission, they were concerned that we were including a third party in our conditions and it may be beyond the applicant's ability and you know, if the third party doesn't want to meet with them or if they disband that they didn't feel requiring these annual meetings was going to work. So they suggested we put a 10 year time limit on it. 
which um, that's one of the revised conditions that the planning commission had. If you look in the packet, uh, the one requiring the annual meeting was removed and the 10 year um, expiration date was added. And as far as being transferable, we try hard to only look at the use and not at the user. And so we look, we try to put conditions on the use that no matter who is operating it, the impacts would be the same. So the conditions are intended to regulate the external impacts as far as noise or activity. We limited the number of attendees to no more than 23, no outside noise or music. And then the applicant had some limitations on hours. So the operating hours um, are limited. It's not your typical bar hours. And we feel that those are pretty good conditions regardless of who's operating the facility. And I think those are the two um, comments I recall, wanting it to be transferable and then the time limit. 10 years does seem like an adequate time limit. Six years would be doable. It would just be being reviewed quite a lot. And I know the Planning Commission wanted to give the business time to be moving along before it was actually reviewed. And so uh, just want to give my feedback on the uh, comments. Mayor Finkler, thank you, Mary. Any questions for Mary from commissioners? Um, Vice Mayor Shipley, um, I just wanted to double check. Um, I think there was an, another, um, I guess it was a business that was a, a nonprofit that had, I thought it was a three-year term. Um, I, I think maybe some other commissioners were here. So I just wanted to check my memory on that. It's Commissioner Bowley, I believe it was the Dare Center. Commissioner Austin, I have a question uh, for Mary. So the 10-year time frame, do they have to actually reapply for the SUP at that time? Yes, the um, special use permit would expire and they would need to submit a new application that would go through the process again. And that would give us all a chance to reevaluate to make sure it's still appropriate with however the neighborhood is developed to that point. Vice Mayor Shipley, Mary, I, I think you clarified for something I maybe didn't understand um, watching uh, planning talk about this. So some of the particulars, um, for example, um, you know, it's a wine bar, it's not a sports bar. Um, they close at certain times. Those things are um, tied to the SUP because it seemed like the the applicants were were very generous and clear about what they wanted their business to be like. Uh, so um, while this particular applicant um, doesn't seem like they're going to be um, a raucous party, um, I just wanted to make sure that, uh, again, as the, the concern is, um, that space could be bought by someone with a sports bar or um, any, any number of uh, higher excitement uses. Um, so I just want to clarify um, what it's bound to. And Mary Miller, planner. Yeah, the conditions are listed in the um, in the staff report and they're, they, originally the applicant had provided kind of his operation plan and had suggested we could make those all conditions such as there'd be no televisions inside, you know. And then he clarified he only meant no sports programs. There would be televisions because he lives there or he would live there and that he would play only classical music because he's a concert pianist. But actually, if the owner changed and someone wanted blues music or jazz music, 
we couldn't see that would be an issue. So we did not make that a condition. So we went through a lot of the things that make his operation very attractive, but they didn't seem like they were actually going to have an impact. Depending on what kind of music you play inside and this property is leased, it's not bought. So he'll still be subject to the terms of his lease and he's in a multi-use building. There's three stories of residences above him and he has residences to the sides. So um, he'll be subject to the property owner and the management as far as noise, you know, so there'll be that added protection. Mayor Finkelai, I think there's some parents in town who would like an SUP with no TV and limited noise, but <laughs> anyway, um, let's see, we'll go to the applicant next and then we'll open it up for, for public comment. Patrick, are you speaking? Yeah. Uh, thank you, Mayor, uh, and thank you, Commissioners. My name is Patrick Watkins. I'm an attorney. I'm representing the Kirkendalls on this application. Um, I think it's a streak when you have two weeks in a row where your items pulled off the consent agenda, so I want to acknowledge that first. Um, I don't know if it's happened before, but um, but I, I am really pleased to be representing the Kirkendalls on this, not only because of their concept, but also because this is the first of the work live units to be filled at Penn Street Lofts. Uh, and if you haven't been over to East Lawrence uh, yet, you ought to take a drive by. Um, the building is open, I think, almost all the way. And obviously, residential tenants are filling it in, and it's making a difference in the inventory of housing. Um, and, and so I think that's an achievement. Um, but when you look at the, the work live units, this is really just the type of dynamic work live situation uh, that the owner was contemplating and envisioning. And I, and I think the commission was pretty excited about it at the time. This is a local business. It's looking to expand. It's looking to grow within the neighborhood. Um, it's culturally relevant. It's searching for a dynamic working and living environment. And, and the Kirkendalls are really just ideal uh, for a number of reasons. And so from that perspective, I think it's all been sort of gratifying on a personal level, but also um, I think it's an opportunity to, to add some really nice neighborhood commercial to East Lawrence. Um, Michael is on the on the call today and he is available um, to describe his concept. It sounds like you all are, are pretty familiar with it. Um, I will pass it off to him after my comments just so he can say hello and introduce himself and make sure that you all are comfortable with his concept. Um, but I think Michael, uh, and the Kirkendalls really have embraced the planning process and, and we tried to do it right. Um, we met early with staff and had a pre-application meeting and, and we, we sought out Elma and we had multiple communications and attended those meetings. Uh, we worked through other stakeholders within the district and made sure uh, we could seek support where it was given and, and make sure that everybody found that this use was fitting in. Um, we also worked through the planning commission meeting um, and, and they eventually unanimously approved their recommendation, which is before you now. Um, and I, I do want to acknowledge that it, it's a bit of an unfortunate burden for the Kirkendalls to carry both a rezoning, which is sort of a technical irregularity uh, that they have to correct before this use is approved, but also the special use permit. Um, there's reference in Barry's letter, and, and, and I appreciate the support that Barry has given and his communication and his openness, and, and I'm glad we could find the terms that we have to agree upon. Uh, but there's reference to other um, developments in the Warehouse Arts District um, in comparison with this project, and, and none of them have the sort of regulatory burden that this special use permit will carry. 
Uh, as Mary mentioned, there's a series of conditions. It seems highly unlikely, just from my perspective, that someone's going to be able to take on that sort of burden. But the Kirkendalls have embraced it, and I think they've worked well with every stakeholder. So I just want to recognize that we're not talking about just complying with the 55% rule or complying with the zoning application. This is a special use permit, and, and it's hard to really compare this to a bar. This is this is really a wine academy, and, and if um, you'd like to hear the Kirkendall speak on that, I, I think they have some compelling things to say. You may have seen it at the East Lawrence Neighborhood Association meetings or the Planning Commission. Um, but again, they've worked well with everyone. Um, planning staff has studied this, and uh, they have their policies. The Planning Commission has looked it over and, and reviewed it, and they have reasons for what they're doing. Um, we know neighborhood stakeholders um, took part in the process, and we don't want to disrupt them. So while I think the, the Kirkendalls have been very agreeable to everyone, at this point, they're sort of, they don't have a, a huge bone to pick with anybody. Um, there's just competing interests in what these conditions end up as. And I think Michael will tell you he's okay with all of them, but he is really desperately waiting to get an approval. He's moved into this place and would like to be able to operate a sensitive and thoughtful business. Um, but I will hand it over to him. Uh, Michael, if you would take a second and introduce yourself and maybe say a few words about your concept and then following Michael's comments, uh, we'd be happy to answer questions. Uh, Mayor, commissioners, thank you very much. I'm Michael Kirkendall. I am the uh, hopeful owner and director of the East Lawrence Wine Academy and Tasting Room. Um, I appreciate Barry being here and uh, Patrick for his help. But all of these um, things that have come up um, have been all new to me. This is a brand new process. As uh, was mentioned, I'm a concert pianist. I teach at KU um, and have been there for six years and uh, developed a passion for wine during my travels as a pianist and educator. Um, over the last year and a half, I've gotten certifications as a certified sommelier from the Master Sommeliers Association, um, a certified wine educator, and a Wine and Spirits Trust education certificate, um, all with the hopes of growing this side project of mine as uh, a wine educator and somebody likes to share stories about wine and the place it comes from and the people that make it um, and turn it into a business. Um, so when my wife and I were looking to move, our living arrangements had been pretty in flux for the last year and a half and the pen lofts became available and we realized that this was a possible thing. The idea of the live workspace was unbelievably appealing to us. And so we have moved in. We are eager and hoping to open soon and still dealing with a number of, of hurdles along the way from this meeting to the health department. Um, and the other things that have to come in before we can even open our business. Um, we've worked really hard to provide um, restrictions on our use that would be in keeping with the tone of the neighborhood and in the tone of the business that we're trying to run. Um, as we've mentioned, this is our home. And so we said that the idea of being open past 11 o'clock is not great. We wanna close, we wanna be quiet. We wanna be able to have my wife doing yoga in the back room while I'm running the wine academy in the front and have a space that is amenable to the entire neighborhood and community um, and can provide a service. Um, teaching people the, the role that wine has had in culture and places around the world for centuries. Um, something I'm very passionate about. Um, and so we've worked really hard to create um, a, a system by which we feel is very respectful of the community and um, I'm very understanding and appreciative of Elna's concerns and needs. And I do have very little issues with, with really any of the, 
the concerns that they've raised and I'm open to just about anything. Um, personally, I'm just eager to, to move on to the next phase and actually begin to open my business and uh, create this space for the community. Um, at the same time, the, the restrictions of the Planning Commission and the thoughtful discussion that they had seem also very fair. And so, as Patrick said, I feel like personally, I'm just stuck between these conflicting ideas and sort of at the whims and mercy of um, the people in commission roles. And um, I am just hopeful for approval going forward for my concept, my business. Um, I think it provides a service to the city and is very different, even with the announcements of other wine focused dining establishments coming into town. Um, our concept is still quite different from these other places, um, largely because I'll be inviting you into my home to share and enjoy and learn and taste and have a, a wonderful evening. So um, I'm open to answering any questions that you might have for me, uh, but I appreciate the, the time this evening. Uh, Barry, thank you and thank Elna. And regardless of, of any restrictions, I do look forward to working with you and in concert with you over the coming years uh, as a neighborhood organization and business. So thank you. Yeah, Finkeldie. Thank you, Patrick. Michael, commissioners have questions for the applicant at this point? Seeing no questions, I'll go ahead and open this up to public comment. If any member of the public would like to speak on this item, if you're present first, let Sherry know and Sherry will call upon you. Uh, there's no comment here in the room, but there are some hands online. So I'm going to go ahead and start calling on those, Mayor, or on, on Zoom, sorry. Chris Flowers. Hi, um, this is Chris Flowers. And one of the things I was just hearing, it sounds like what I don't understand is if, if someone can, like, let's say someone else takes over and they start, they want to do a business there with alcohol and they can meet the same requirements. Why should, why shouldn't they be allowed to, to open a business? Like, I, I don't think that, that, um, the, the requirement or whatever that was being asked for, um, I, I don't think business owners should have to get personal approval from like neighborhood associations. Like what if it, that net new business, what if it's like black owned and their, their clientele is mainly going to be minorities? I mean, then would the neighborhood, would they be as accepting of that? They probably would, but some neighborhoods might not be. So I, I think we shouldn't be like having things where it's okay for this business, but another business can, you know, do business at the same standard of level, but before they can do that, they need approval of an, a neighborhood association. I don't like that. I think I, I like the original idea where you got the 10 year, you know, where it's good for 10 years. And then after that it comes up for approval, like, up for reapproval, I guess. I like that, but I, I don't think like if a business goes out and another business wants to take over and do something very similar that they need to go and get a different approval. I, I don't like that just because it, it can be kind of 
discriminatory at some point if if the neighborhood doesn't like they personally don't like the business or what the clientele that might be coming in just my thoughts thank you though and that's all the public comment no finger lie thank you i'll bring it back to the commission for questions comments I, I would say, Mayor, um, I, I appreciate the, the applicant um, acknowledging particularly um, how many more hoops um, businesses that involve alcohol here need to go through. Um, I think he said he's only been here six years, so. It's a much longer than a six-year story why, why we've gotten to this point. And I would also say uh, on more than one occasion, um, that's been called into question, um, the 55% rule, or um, uh, we just talked about non-conforming uses the other day. Um, so um, I, I recognize that it's un unusual, um, but there's context for it. Um, and it may be that the community needs to reevaluate it if memory serves that um, came about in the 80s. So um, I just wanted to kind of acknowledge that. Mayor Finkel, I would jump in and say, you know, generally speaking, you know, this idea of assignability of SUPs um, has come up from time to time. When I was on the planning commission, it, it's come up a lot. Um, and, and I, I recall, you know, doing, we did once, I think, with some of the quarries out in the county. Um, you know, Randy's going to jump in here and, and make a comment here. Let, I'll let Randy say that before I go on. Randy? This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. Uh, Commissioner or Mayor, you're absolutely correct. SUPs run with the land. It's a use. Chris Flower stated it very eloquently actually, regarding why we just we, we regulate use, but not the person who has it. So we can regulate the time, the length of time, the, the use restrictions, but we can't control who or does not have it. So if an SUP is granted, it's gonna run with the land, but we can put time restrictions on it. We can put other types of restrictions on it to try to limit any impacts it has on the neighborhood. So I just wanted to say that that's how we've typically handled these in the past. And that's that's the law. Uh, that's why we handled them that way. So. Mayor Figgle, I thank you for saying that. That's, you know, that, that was my recollection too, that we've never really done that. The other kind of side issue is this, this, SU, this SUP actually is given to an LLC, not to an individual and therefore an LLC could sell its assets and someone else could take it. And even even if he couldn't assign it, he could sell his assets and someone could open a different business under that same LLC. So I certainly understand what the, the neighborhood is looking at here, um, but I'm not a big fan of, of and, and as Randy said, I don't think we should keep the, the um, length of time, I mean, the assignability there. However, I would be interested in, you know, I'm, I'm okay, obviously, with a, a different length of time. We've done that several times. 
And I think that's a better way to regulate it than, than the assignability issue. But other thoughts, comments? Yeah, this is Commissioner Larson. And, um, you know, it seems like there has been some really good, healthy dialogue between the neighborhood as well as the applicant back and forth. And they've come to um, a pretty good understanding and they've made concessions on both sides. So I really appreciate that. I appreciate the work that was put into that. So, I, you know, I'm in support of this, um, but I would be open to if there's a different time frame that the applicant would even consider. Um, but other than that, I am in support of this. Mayor, I think, um, Vice Mayor Shipley, I think I read in the letter um, from East Lawrence, um, their recommendation was three years and, and redo it in three years. Could we find a compromise? six years or eight years, something, um, something that um, is, gives them a little, um, a little more opportunity if, if things get out of hand or they get bought out. Mayor Finkel, I um, see Michael raised his hand. Do you have a comment on the length of time of the SUP? Yes, thank you, Mayor. Um, I am open to adjustments to this. Um, the, the, the one thing that I would like to make sure is, is brought up is that every time you reapply for this, it is, uh, I believe, $750 out of pocket to go through the process again, plus the fees to my attorney, um, which is more. Um, and so I want to make sure that that's clear. So I think that the financial burden of doing it at the three-year point is, is perhaps a little rough. Um, my lease is presently for three years with renewable three-year term afterwards. Um, so I would, I would request a minimum of six if we do shorten that term after the discussion with the planning commission, that that would seem um, less burdensome and more, more feasible. Um, but I would be most willing to, to adjust to that. Uh, but I, again, I leave that to you all to determine what is appropriate. So thank you. Thank you, Michael. Back to the commission, comments? Um, Vice Mayor Shipley, I, I again appreciate the flexibility of everyone and everyone's very pleasant attitude about this very onerous um, uh, process. Um, I would say, you know, I believe um, a couple commissioners here um, were there when a three-year was put on a nonprofit organization that catered to homeless people. So in theory, they also have to go every three years and spend $700 to um, have that opportunity with the neighbors to make sure that their um, clients are comporting themselves um, as they come and go from the business. This is Commissioner Nondick. Commissioner Shipley, were you then advocating for the three-year or do you think the six-year or eight-year would be more appropriate? Um, I, 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 six would be good. Six would be good. I was simply saying that these are um, onerous 
for anyone who, as uh, Patrick Watkins rightly pointed out, um, they are, um, um, they while they provide a certain uh, kind of, um, what am I looking for? A certain kind of responsibility um, between the neighborhoods and um, the business, um, they, they are a, a bureaucratic process. This is Commissioner Nanda. I would be amenable to the six year. I think that aligns well with the lease as well. Um, I don't know what other commissioners' thoughts are. This is Commissioner Larson. I'd be fine with six or eight years just to give them enough time to settle in. I think a lot of them, I'm, I'm open, to, open to that mainly because the applicant's open to that. Um, and so I guess I'd look for maybe a motion or more discussion. Just a question on that. Before we make the motion, can I just get clarification from Mary on what that should be? Is, is that six year timeline going to be a change to the ordinance? I just want to make sure that we make the appropriate motion. Uh, Mary Miller planner. Yes, it would take a, a revision to the ordinance because the conditions are listed there. So the 10 year time frame would be revised to whatever the commission votes for. Ms. Commissioner, not well, I'll give it a try and, and share your Mary. Stop me if I'm, if I'm going off track here. Um, I move to approve the special use permit SUP 21266, permitting the developer of a bar or lounge use as part of the work live unit at 801 Pennsylvania Street, subject to the conditions as revised by the Planning Commission and amended by the City Commission, revising 10 years to six years and adopt on first reading with the same amendment, ordinance number 9886. Commissioner Larson, I second. May I think a lie before we vote, Sherry? Does that work for you? Yes, thank you. May I think a lie? Then there's a motion by Commissioner Nanda, a second by Commissioner Lawson. Commissioner Nanda? Aye. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Bowley? Aye. May I think a lie? Aye. Passes five to zero. Thank you, everyone. Good discussion. Look, look forward to the opening and maybe coming out one day. Thank, Thank you, you all very much. Working with Elna and, and bringing this to us. Okay, that brings us to the regular agenda. And the regular agenda, um, the first three items, I, I assume we are going to take together on utility rates. Um, this is Commissioner Nunder, do we have public comment? Oh, I skipped right over that, didn't I? Trying to keep me on my toes tonight, Commissioner Nanda. Thank you. We do have public comment. Public comment, the public is allowed to speak on items or issues that are not scheduled for discussion on the agenda. As a general practice, the commission will not discuss or debate these items, nor will the commission make decisions on items presented during this time. Individuals should um, address all comments and questions to the commission. Each person will be limited to three minutes. First, is there any member of the public president at City Hall that would like to make general public comment about an item not on the agenda? Sir, did you have any general public comment? 
My, my issue was uh, G. Okay, well, we were not there yet. Thank you. Oh, okay, so it goes down mm -hmm. the list? Yes. Oh, okay. May I think if any person, any member of the public on Zoom would like to make general public comment, please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature. Erin M. Um, hi, everyone. My name's Erin. I'm sorry for being off camera. And if there's noise, I'm on a walk. Um, but I just wanted to kind of listening to the previous discussion um, and similar to what the previous public commenter mentioned, I think that, um, and I don't know if the city commission really can change these things, but I think it's worthwhile to be wary of how much power is given to neighborhood associations and homeowners associations with various things, because there is certainly a history of nimbyism and um, definitely systemic racism when those kinds of groups are allowed to decide whether projects can happen. And I think it was the vice mayor who mentioned um, a neighborhood association having three-year um, reauthorization power for for a, a place for our unhoused neighbors to go and I think that that is another um, another issue that can that can end up problematic because there is a lot of you know bias toward unhoused folks even if they um, are not quote behaving badly which I think is a paternalistic thing to to question anyway so just wanted to put that out there um also I'm new to Lawrence so I don't know if any of this is within your power but thanks for um, letting me speak Chris Flowers hi this is Chris Flowers and I this is might be my last time to just say this so um voters never chose having the top two vote receivers um each or the top two um vote receivers in the election each serve in a year as mayor it was something that some of the commissioners did way in the past and everyone's just followed tradition since then just because all the other commissioners in the past have done it that way it doesn't necessarily mean you all should too, I don't think. If you're going to create a public task force to look at how local government is structured, then you all should at least be discussing what's actually best for Lawrence when it comes time for you all to decide who's mayor at the next meeting. And I just say this because I think there's a good chance you all don't discuss any of it and you just go ahead and follow tradition and do things as usual. But I want to bring up the other thing we we were talking about the dare center I think if if we just allow this other business to serve alcohol and they they get a six year um what is it renewal or whatever a six year term before they have to reapply why can't we ex extend that to the dare center I mean as just when from what Commissioner Shipley was talking about, it sounds like that's exactly what we need to be doing. Like I, I don't think the Dare Center should have to be spending that much every three years. So let's do something about it. Thank you. There's no more comments, Mayor. Mayor Finkel die. Thank you for those public comments. Now we are ready to move to the regular agenda item. And 
Looks like Rodrigo has turned his camera on, so maybe if he turns his camera on, he gets to speak first on this item. Rodrigo Savedo, budget analyst. Good evening, members of the commission, vice mayor and mayor. And a thank you to all the members of the staff who have worked on this. Tonight, I'll be, I will be presenting on the proposed 2022 utility rates. This presentation will focus on 2022, but we plan to come back early next year to present on both a long-term forecast and a multi-year rate proposal. As mentioned, this presentation will go over, will go over all three utilities. Before we begin, let's look at the utilities in context, including property taxes. So here for 2022, you see the yearly increase for a standard residential household is about $75 or about $6 a month. Now to go back uh, to what was presented in December of 2020 um, and how that compares to this year. For stormwater and water and wastewater, both fully fund the adopted budget in CIP and they align with the rate forecast presented in late 2020. For solid waste, it also fully funds the adopted budget in CIP, but the recommended rates are higher than what was presented in late 2020. Some key variables that affect all the rates, uh, significant and continuing investments in infrastructure, increased commitments to personnel, continuing alignment between cost of service and rates, and other factors depending on the utility, such as weather and recycling markets. On this slide, we can see the revenue increases for each of the particular funds. Uh, it's important to kind of distinguish that this percentage increase does not necessarily correlate with a rate increase. Uh, those are with the varying customer classes, different customers pay different uh, percentage increases. And again, the goal is to align the service, uh, the cost of service with ge re revenue generated, excuse me. So here we have water and wastewater, again, a 7.5% revenue increase. Um, Support programs including waterman re replacement and relocation, sanitary re sewer rehab, uh, wastewater plant upgrades, and water plant improvements. I'll, I'll pause here to allow some of my colleagues who want to speak on specific projects or elaborate. Good evening, uh, Mike Lawless, Deputy Director for Municipal Services and Operations. And so I was just gonna comment a little bit on some of the projects and programs that are mentioned at the bottom uh, of the slide here. So um, for water main replacement and relocation, we have we have multiple um, projects that are um, kind of in the works to um, take care of the, the deferred maintenance that we have on some of those older mains. Um, we've got you know multiple projects um, where we've got some roadways, 23rd Street, 
and East 19th, um, where we have major roadway construction that will do, um, um, where we'll have to replace a number of water mains or relocate them because of the construction there. Um, you know, the, the New York uh, transmission main that has been very problematic for us, that, that project is um, well underway in design and will be in construction um, next year. Um, sanitary sewer rehabilitation, um, we have, we are working on, I believe it's year, it's hard to say with COVID, but seven or eight for the EcoFlow program um, in addressing those, um, that particular infrastructure in that area. Um, we've got uh, a number of manhole rehabilitation projects, as well as um, lining um, projects that we're doing on our public infrastructure. And then um, hopefully as we uh, transition through COVID and, and start to work out of that, we can start to concentrate a little bit more on the final phases of the, uh, um, the residential or private structures um, for those inspections and repairs. Um, in terms of the wastewater treatment plant, um, we have um, at the Kansas River, you know, we just completed um, three years ago the Wakarusa project, and that's been a very successful project. And in fact, that, that treatment plant operates at a very, very high level, um, one of the best in the state for nutrient removal. Um, the Kansas River plant um, is um, due for a similar upgrade um, as part of our regulatory permit requirements to go through that same um, nutrient removal upgrades. And um, I think um, after we finish the rate discussion tonight, our next agenda item will be to discuss um, moving forward with construction um, on that project, um, which is a, a, about a $56 million um, upgrade or improvements to that plant to make it uh, uh, in line with our regulatory requirements. Um, similarly, on the, the water plants, um, you know, the, the, those plants, if you think about them, um, you know, Clinton seems like a fairly new facility, but actually it's been there for 40 plus years and um, it's time to do maintenance on, on things at both of the plants. And so we have numerous projects um, that are uh, upcoming to um, address just you know, wear and tear on a 40-year-old uh, treatment plant and um, a 60-year-old treatment plant. So, um, you know, the rates that we're talking about tonight or the revenue increases that we're talking about tonight will help support um, these needed improvements and in some cases um, mandated improvements by the regulators. Rodrigo Savedo, budget analyst. Thanks, Mike. Here we have the uh, water wastewater comparisons uh, around the communities. Um, this includes uh, the green there includes uh, both the water and sewer costs. So uh, as you can see in that blue box, there's about uh, around a $5 increase. from what we're carrying rates to the proposed rates.
Moving on to stormwater. So again, recapping that 4.5% uh, revenue increase um, to support stormwater programs, including the J pro projects at the Jayhawk Watershed, uh, Maple Lane, stormwater ID assessment and modeling, stormwater replacement rehab and pump station maintenance. And again, I'll, I'll pause here to allow uh, some of my colleagues to elaborate on these projects as well. So uh, once again, Mike Lawless, Deputy Director for Municipal Services and Operations Department. Um, I, I suspect that there may be others that um, want to comment on some of these. I, I don't know that I'm the best to comment on all of them, but um, I do have a, a couple of things to comment on this particular slide. So I would point out the Maple Lane project. Um, and to me, this is, is one of the things that I, I would point out that, um, you know, kind of how staff starts to think through uh, projects and corridors. And in reality, this Maple Lane project was scheduled for uh, the 2023 CIP. And this year, um, with the rains that we had, we had um, in the sanitary sewer system, we had a, a, a number of backups over in that same area. And it was something that we felt like we needed to address um, right away as quickly as we could. But um, it was kind of that uh, sort of that toss up of, hey, we've got a sanitary sewer project that we need to do right away, but yet our stormwater project is more than a year away in 2023. And so um, we went through the process um, through the CIP um, reallocation process and basically we accelerated the Maple Lane stormwater project to help it coincide with some sanitary sewer work and 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 while we're there we'll end up doing some water line work as well um, but then we um, you know pushed back um, another project but it, it gave us that flexibility to say hey we've got one problem we can accelerate a project and kind of do it all at once so that we minimize um, our uh, intrusion into that particular neighborhood. Um, the stormwater asset, the stormwater ID asset assessment and, and model creation, um, that's a project that we've just started this year. Um, we're finishing our first two pilot basins with the field work, and we're now moving into the, the modeling and development of uh, priority ratings on, how, you know, how are we going to prioritize projects that we get as we start to model and find the results of the assessment and, and ID. Um, and then we'll be able to um, push that out to all of the projects um, for stormwater so that as we get more basins online and we get more information that we'll be able to um, prioritize all the projects that we're going to, to see um, that come out of, out of this uh, uh, project or program. Um, stormwater replacement rehab, um, that particular um, project or program is, um, we know that as we um, work through this, the ID and assessment project and field work, that we're going to find things that need to be replaced and, and we actually have um, this first go around and we really need a, a program that allows us to address those in a timely fashion where we find collapsed pipe or uh, broken pipe that we need to 
um, do a point repair on or a spot repair immediately. This gives us the ability to do that. And then finally, um, our stormwater pump station maintenance, um, you know, those stations, except for the, mump, the Maple Street pump station are, are fairly old. And, you know, we've started addressing some of the pump issues. Um, we have electrical issues and, and other plumbing um, that we need to take care of uh, as we start to delve into those stations. But this gives us um, the ability to, to do that. And I'll let maybe Matt, um, if you're on, I think you might want to talk about Jayhawk Watershed. So uh, later this evening, we have the Jayhawk Watershed on the city manager's report. Um, the Jayhawk Watershed is kind of its own uh, separate program in such that it's, it's kind of running the same parallel course that the rest of the stormwater ID and assessment and model creations running. <clears throat> so right now we are developing an existing model for that entire watershed. And then we're gonna pick um, some alignments on uh, possible routes that that new uh, storm sewer main will take. We have a public information meeting tomorrow night at the library from six to eight. So if you're listening and wanna head over there and get some more information, I'll be there along with the consultant and our uh, public uh, <clears throat> information team. So that is uh, pretty much what we've got going for there. Um, I would like to say also that, um, that uh, uh, with the Jayhawk watershed, oh yeah, I'm sorry, uh, Matt Bond, engineering program manager. Um, one of the other things that we have with the Jayhawk watershed is that that project is a multi-year project because it's such a big project. So uh, we'll probably be starting at the river and then working our way upstream. So that's what I have. Rodrigo Acevedo, budget analyst. So here we have the stormwater comparisons, just as we had for water and wastewater. So you have Lawrence 2021, Lawrence 2022 there, uh, the about 31 cent increase. Next up is solid waste. So the solid waste revenue increase for proposed revenue increase for 2022 is 9.5%. And again, to recap some of the key variables, uh, commitments to uh, personnel, uh, the volatility of recycling markets, uncertainty in future disposal rates, uh, internal administration charges, and uh, proposed multifamily rate changes. So again, this is uh, our um, this graph here attempts to get at what was presented uh, in 2020, December of 2020, compared to what is being proposed now. So here we see uh, single family residential at 0% in 2020 was uh, the forecast. Uh, we're recommending 2% increase. Um, other increases along the way you see are commercial um, and downtown rates. Once again, we have the comparisons. So this is uh, the monthly fee for kind of single family uh, rate, uh, currently at 1936. 
uh, I proposed at 1994. And it's important, I think this has been noted in past years that these are not exactly apples to apples. Different cities provide different services, amenities, but uh, it's about a rough comparison. Focusing on the multifamily accounts, uh, here you have the slide. Historically, solid waste service for multifamily accounts was charged at commercial dumpster rates. And then in addition, a multiplier for uh, monthly recycling charge was added. Uh, solid waste service for new multifamily accounts transition, transition to a unit-based charge rather than a commercial dumpster rate to align with the residential solid waste, solid waste rates. This ended up resulting in two separate billing structures for multifamily accounts. So try to put that into context uh, to show demonstrate the inequities uh, and what leads us to propose this new $16 uh, per unit for dumpster service multifamily units um, starting on February 1st of 2022. Here on the uh, on this table you see on the left hand side you see the number of units uh, and the multifamily per unit that's if if that if a equiv equivalent complex or um, number of units uh, that pay the single family rate uh, the current family single family rate and then there's another uh, number another 16 units that pay commercial dumpster rates uh, with the added recycling fee and then the last column is what would be paid uh, what those 16 units would pay. Uh, with the new rate, proposed rate. So you have 16 units would pay $256 total, um, but that's in with the $16 uh, the new rate per unit. And then again, just to recap, uh, the this is a basically the first slide, but uh, the $75 increase, uh, which is about $6 a month. Uh, the next steps would be considered rate ordinances for 2022. And again, as, as I mentioned earlier, have a future presentation on multi-year rates and proposals and forecast uh, in the spring for all three utilities. In the action tonight to propose uh, consider proposed uh, ordinances for 1991, 1992, and 1993 for water, wastewater, stormwater, and solid waste. So, um, Mike Lawless, Deputy Director for Municipal Services and Operations Department. Um, one thing I wanted to point out on the solid waste rates, um, I think there was communication from uh, Marcy Francisco today on um, some inconsistencies in the first part um, where we discussed, um, um, see, if I, I gotta make sure I get this right. So the single dwelling unit um, versus um, there is an area of town where we have single dwelling units that have a 
that are located in an area with a dumpster. And so if you if we look at the, the language in the first part of the ordinance, um, it doesn't specifically call out that scenario with a um, single dwelling unit in located in an area with um, with a dumpster. And um, we believe that we need to make um, an adjustment to include that in the ordinance. Um, I think we might be able to show that. Um, I don't know, Rodrigo, if you have that available where we could show that proposed language just to show that um, I, we believe that we need to make a change. Um, we're working with the, the uh, city attorney's office to make sure we've got this correctly, but um, the information highlighted in yellow, um, I believe should be added in order to um, address um, the comments that Marcy made in her, um, in her communication. Um, the other thing is, as we read that, um, I think it's not um, explicitly clear that for multiple dwelling units, the rate for either the, the single family um, or the multi-dwelling uh, unit rate is a per unit rate. So it's not just a monthly charge, but it's a monthly charge per unit. And so I think we need to make that um, distinction in the ordinance. And um, so those would be changes that we would propose in that, um, in the solid waste ordinance um, to one, um, address the, the comments that, that Marcy made, as well as um, make sure that we're explicit in how the, um, the individual unit rate is to be charged. And I think that's all I had on the on that particular ordinance. Mayor Fingalai, Rodrigo, did you have anything else, or was that the end of the presentation? Rodrigo, sorry to budget analyst. That is the end of the presentation. Okay, great. Thank you for the the presentation. Um, you can go ahead and stop sharing your screen and then um, questions from commissioners for staff at this point. See, I, sorry, Vice Mayor Shipley. Um, I was um, looking at the difference in the, in the multifamily um, and then that sort of raised in my mind something I think I've brought up before about um, move out day. Um, the, uh, you know, obviously there's a little bit of a bump here. Do we think that this is, does this help us recover what happens to um, our staff and our staff's time when there's move out day and um, particularly larger um, complexes um, leave quite a big mess for our staff. Good evening, this is Kathy Richardson. I'm the solid waste manager for the Municipal Services and Operations Department. On move out day for those multi 
uh, dwelling units, which are our apartments. Uh, they uh, do rent uh, roll-off containers and multi-lift containers to handle that excess move-out trash. Uh, so they are paying in addition to that $16 per unit uh, during mid-July through mid-August. They are also renting and paying the city for roll-off service to contain all that trash for move-out. We have a lot of other questions with staff at this time. Seeing none, uh, at this point, we'll go ahead and open it up to public comment. If any member of the public present in City Hall would like um, to speak on this item, please let Sherry know. Uh, this is Sherry Reedman, City Clerk. Mayor, there's no one here in the commission room. And then I just wanted to be clear, are we having comment on all three of these items? Okay. Yes, that's the plan. All right, uh, Marcy Francisco. Good evening. Um, my comments were particularly directed to the solid waste proposals. Um, regarding the rates, um, I do hope that all of us will, um, as a community, understand that we can exert control over our solid weight costs by creating less waste. So that's the place to start. But in addition to that, I did have um, comments that I sent in a letter about um, the um, wording um, because I thought it was confusing. I very much appreciated the staff getting back with me. I couldn't see or read um, the wording as proposed on the screen because it was too small um, on my computer. But I'm pleased that the staff is reacting to that. Um, I was simply saying that um, single family units in an area served by a trash dumpster are getting the same service as those other multifamily um, units. And it's not clear um, the difference in how much trash people put out, maybe in part, whether they're property owners or they're renters. Um, there was a comment made about move in, move out. Um, so I would hope that the commission would consider a standard rate for that trash dumpster service um, to apply to all the properties that are using um, that service. I wanted to say that this does not affect my husband and me directly. We live on the 1000 block or 1100 block of Ohio. We don't have an alley, so we're paying the single family fee and that's just fine with me. So I'd be happy to stand for any questions. Erin M. Hi, everyone. Um, it's me again. I fear that you might be hearing from me a lot in the coming months, so sorry. Um, I might have just kind of not understood this. And I know that um, the in the presentation, you mentioned that, that the um, 
funding or the rate changes were addressing some inequities, um, which I think that maybe you meant inequities in between single family and multifamily units. But I'd be curious to know if the city of Lawrence has a like utility assistance program, um, because we know that these sort of like flat rate changes will affect um, low income budgets a lot more significantly than people who have more disposable income. And if if so, if that program is going to kind of adjust um, in accordance with these rate changes. Thanks. That's all the public comment, Mayor. Mayor Finkeldeye. Um, okay, bring it back to commission. Maybe someone would like to, um, well, first, um, Mike, do you think you addressed uh, Mousy's, she said she couldn't see the changes, but do you think you addressed those concerns that she brought up? Mike Lawless, Deputy Director for Municipal Services and Operations. Well, I think we addressed um, the comment that Marcy had about it not being um, um, specified or, or specific to uh, single dwelling units with a shared dumpster. I think Marcy's comment was that it ought to be at the $16 rate, which would be the multifamily rate. And I, th I think I'll give it a shot, Kathy. And if I mess it up, I'll let Kathy jump in to, to help on the explanation. But there really is a different level of service provided with the single family um, rate than there is with the multifamily rate. So the single family rate also includes um, yard waste services, um, access to um, household hazardous waste more likely on a, on a regular basis. Um, I know there's other things that I'm forgetting, Kathy, but those are the two that, that are right off the top of my head. So we don't provide um, uh, the yard waste service for um, um, multifamily and that um, we do um, run trucks through um, the areas where there are uh, single family shared dumpsters to pick up um, yard waste. Kathy, did you want to add to that? Mayor Finkeldine. This is Kathy Richardson, Solid Waste Manager for the Municipal Services and Operations Department. I did want to mention a lot of our single dwelling units, our single family units are um, that have uh, shared dumpsters are in the Oread neighborhood. So we have a, a large um, section of town there that are, are shared dumpsters. And um, I just wanted to just point out some distinctions. And again, this is not for all, but for the majority. So in this area with shared dumpsters, um, that's for the, the trash service. And uh, when move out and move in happens for the city of Lawrence, uh, because these are shared dumpsters and we don't know who puts out what trash in the alleys. Um, this is a section of town that gets piles and piles of bulk items and move out trash in the alley where there's no um, fee captured by a roll-off container or multi-lift container because this is a lot of households um, that are pushing um, you know, the waste. This is actually a pretty difficult area for us in the move out move-in that generates a large amount of trash. Um, again, for the multifamily uh, like apartments, 
uh, with the multiple units, we can address that um, by having them rent the roll-off and we'll pile up and may pay additional for that. Um, we do have the yard waste truck that goes through this area of the single uh, dwelling units. Um, you know, these are mostly houses that do have yard waste and we do pick that up, but our yard waste truck does not go into apartment complexes. Um, we don't pick up yard waste there. Um, so in, in, in general, like the majority of these um, single family homes that are in these shared uh, dumpster locations do have, again, a large amount of trash, bulk items, et cetera, that we pick up. Um, we actually go through the Oread six days a week during move out and move in as opposed to the one day a week. Um, so we're kind of capturing those costs. They are paying that single family rate that includes the bulk items. Thank you. Mayor Finkel, I thank you for that. And Christy, I saw you turn your camera on. Could you talk about the uh, assistance program? Yeah, good evening, Mayor and Commissioners. Christy Webb, Utility Billing Manager. Um, right, I did want to speak about the utility assistance program. We, we do have a new program um, that is um, donation funded. So it's funded by donations from utility customers. Um, so that we're in this stage right now of um, accepting those donations so the program's not available for for people that need assistance to apply for that assistance yet but um, January 1st it will be um, available and people will apply through Catholic Charities um, so unfortunately we will be limited by the number of donations we have at that time so that's you know the the assistance will go as far as whatever those funds are that have been um, donated at that time so we don't unfortunately I have a lot of way to influence what that fund will be um, to offset any changes to these solid waste rates. But um, but we, we, we are accepting donations and receiving donations now. So hopefully we'll be able to provide assistance in that way. Mayor Fingal, I thank you for that. Okay, it's back to the commission. Are there questions for staff? And this is Commissioner Larson on the utility assistance. I, don't we also have the program for the senior citizens, um, low-income senior citizens? Is that still an uh, active program? The web utility billing manager. Yes, um, Commissioner Larson, I, I, I should have mentioned that. We do. We still have um, what we call the low-income elderly rate, um, and that's for people that are um, 60 or older um, and at certain income thresholds. And um, yes, we, we absolutely still have that. And we have people participating and we're currently accepting, you know, we, we accept applications all throughout the year for that. Thank you. Mayor Finkley, are there questions, comments? This is Commissioner Linda. I don't have a, a, a question. I just kind of wanted to get my thoughts out there so we can get the dialogue rolling. Um, I think that the utility assistance program is an essential part of these rate changes and something that I brought up when we first brought this um, to the commission as vital for equity in this in the meeting our needs, um, particularly deferred maintenance um, and other issues that have kind of brought us to the need to raise our rates significantly over a short period of time. Um, and so 
Um, I'm glad to see that folks have signed up to participate in that. Obviously, it is a drop in the bucket for the total, you know, that the folks are behind on utilities, particularly given the last year. And I know that um, without that, I would be super uncomfortable, if not opposed to those rate changes, because I know the impact that six bucks a month um, can have for a family. Um, and so I am hopeful that we will have some kind of very intentional and um, widely spread um, campaign to get folks signed up for that. Um, I know that we were talking about it, you know, the, the minimum that really feels helpful. It's not so much round up a dollar, but you know, how can you contribute $5 a month um, for someone who can't? Uh, and I just, I really feel like that's gonna be an essential component of this moving forward without having a significant impact on the families and our community. So hopefully um, we have all stepped up and hopefully we will um, encourage our community to do so as well. Mr. Commissioner Bowling, um, is there utility assistance money available from the state? Utility billing manager, there is um, some assistance that's available for renters right now through um, a program through the um, Kansas Housing Corporation. It's called Cura, and, and that helps with the, the entire utility bill for renters. Um, and we're seeing a lot of assistance come in that way. I mean, a, a significant amount of assistance is coming in that way, which is fantastic. There is a, a similar program for homeowners in development right now through the state, um, also through the Housing Corporation. And that will, again, be for, for homeowners. And it will be pretty much like the way the CARA program is administered. So we're, we're hopeful that we'll see that assistance start to come through. I, I checked with the housing corporation and they said that um, it's not it's not open yet, but they anticipate sometime in quarter one of 2022 that it will be um, open and available for people to apply for. And yeah, I think that will be significant help. And then there's another program that's gonna be, um, it's, it's similar to the low-income energy program, the, the LIHEAP program that people might be familiar with. It helps with um, electricity and gas costs, but it will help with water costs. Um, and it's um, administered through Department of Children and Families, and it's, um, it's called the Emergency Water Assistance Program. And that program will begin accepting applications December 1st of this year, and that will help specifically with water and wastewater bills. So it, it won't help with solid waste, um, but it will help with the water and wastewater portion of the bill. Um, and it'll help with up to $3,500 of assistance per, per person. So again, we're, we're excited for that program to begin accepting applications because we think that can help a significant number of our customers and we'll be actively referring our customers to that um, that program. This is Commissioner Larson. Um, I thought I read in the memo um, about this item that there's consideration right now as to possibly using some general funds to shore up some of that util utility assistance program. Is it, did I read that correctly? Thank you. 
Christy Webb, utility billing manager. Yes, I believe there has been discussion of um, of considering that. I don't I don't have specifics on you know at, at what level that consideration has taken place, but I do know that there has been discussion of that to to you know maybe supplement that uh, donation the do, the donated funds with some general fund assistance. Thank you. Mayor Finkel, I would guess I'd jump in and say a few things about um, utility rates. You know, I and I know all the commissioners know this, um, but I was talking today to the new generations and we were talking about utility rates because it was going to be on the agenda tonight. And, you know, there was a discussion about, you know, property taxes versus sales taxes versus utility rates. And, and I think it's it's certainly important to understand that different people pay those differently, right? And um, and it, it's not the same. Not every person pays all three necessarily. For example, maybe a church or a nonprofit or a school doesn't pay property tax, doesn't pay sales tax, but they do pay utility um, tax. And they do pay utility rates. Um, and different nonprofits, other entities do that. So it's, it's pretty important to understand that when we look at these, we're looking at the, the rate payers um, that are, are are using these are also paying for them. And that's why um, we, we kind of set it up that way. And of course, we also, the reason we're considering these now and not earlier in the year is earlier in the year, we approved the CIP. And now um, we work through the rate model to come up with a way to fund the things that we want to fund, um, which is why we had that discussion. So I think those, you know, two kind of important things. And then the last one that we talked a lot about today is about why we bond so many, we bond projects, very expensive projects like the, the, the water treatment plant. And then those bonding companies have requirements on us to keep, you know, certain amount of cash, keep certain amount of rate flow and so forth. So again, we have some requirements through those bonds that, that make those different. So I think all those issues kind of factor into to why you know, setting utility rates um, are tricky. And it's not just, you know, should we raise them or not, um, but how, how, how those all go into effect and how they play into to other items. So I appreciate um, the staff working on this. You know, we had this three-year plan. Um, I know we're going to be looking at a, another multi-year plan in, in the spring, but this is kind of the end of this multi-year plan. And, um, you know, I think it's important that we fund it. I think it's important that we've started this program that um, Commissioner Ananda and at the time Mayor Ananda really pushed. And I think that is a good program. I hope that we do push that, especially during the Christmas season. Hopefully we can get some people maybe to sign up for that um, as we go forward. Um, and, and obviously raising rates are never easy, but I think we have lots of work in the infrastructure realm that we have to work on. Um, water, wastewater in particular, um, you know, and of course we made some commitments now solid waste that we need to to back up as well um, with our employees there. And so, you know, again, never easy to raise rates, um, but I do think we have a good solid plan put forward. So I'm going to support these rate increases. Uh, 
Uh, this is Commissioner Larson and, and Mayor. I really appreciate those comments and I would echo um, quite a bit what you said there. But I uh, also would add that uh, one of the misconceptions I heard as the rate utility rates were discussed the past several months is is the idea that as to how this money is spent and um, when when the utility rates are, are raised or any utilities uh, funding or revenue that we get that money has to be spent on the utility it's not spent um, on just general fund type items so it's um, I believe those are enterprise um, fees and so so it's important to know that this money is being spent for the infrastructure required to ensure that our city operates and as stated earlier we've got two plants that are 40 and 60 years old that that need um, significant attention and that's just the tip of the iceberg on on some of the infrastructure items that we're trying to address that um, maybe hasn't had the attention that they needed historically um, and we're, we're working on that but I also want to um, make sure that we have an adequate safety net available for those who do struggle financially to um, pay the utility bills and uh, you know I am definitely open to discussions in that regard um, uh, so those are my comments I'm going to support this um, to make sure we stay on track with our infrastructure needs um, but at the same time I'm um, wanting to make sure we have a safety net available for those who need it Vice Mayor Shipley, um, the only the only thing I guess that I would add that hasn't already been mentioned, um, um, and I appreciate Mayor that you mentioned um, stormwater um, because we 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 do we do live in between two rivers, um, and um, we know that climate change is real and it's happening to us. It has been for a few years now, um, and so. I, I personally, um, while it's very difficult for a lot of people to have a rate change, I'm excited to see all the, the projects that we're able to get started on, um, many of them all at the same time. So um, I, 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 I just think that's really important for us to keep ahead of. Um, and, and while it's difficult for many people, I, I do believe it's necessary. Mr. Commissioner Boley, um, one of the things that was uh, kind of subtle in the presentation was the comparison with other cities. And um, some other cities in our region do not provide drinking water or um, sanitation services. So, you know, these are things that, you know, we as a community, you know, decided that, you know, the city will provide as enterprise funds, as enterprises. And so it's important that we, you know, do a good job of managing the costs, of providing excellent services, and, you know, managing our infrastructure so that we can provide the lowest cost of ownership for these assets, which are significant. I'll support the changes. This is Commissioner Ananda. Um, I am happy, um, unless other folks have their comments, to um, to to say the motion. But I wanted to see what that should look like. Since we did these all three at the same time, should we do one motion or three separate motions? And also, the third one says um, adopt on first reading, but the other two do not. And if 
that language needs to be added for all of them. Mayor Pinkle, I'd look to share, I think we'd want three motions. Um, are the other two adopted on first reading as well? Yeah, and I'm sorry, I'm not sure why that's not showing on your, what I see says adopt on first reading on all three, just the third one it says on first reading after the ordinance. But yes, we would wanna say that in three separate motions. Um, Mike, is there, I, I, and perhaps I misunderstood, was there going to be a change to one of these ordinances or no? Mike Lawless, Deputy Director for Municipal Services and Operations. Yes, um, we'll have a change for the solid waste ordinance. Um, I've, I've, we, we showed the, the language change tonight, but I, I would like to run that through a little more detail. It was, it was kind of a late change this afternoon. So I would like to run that through uh, or by the, the city attorney's office so that we can make sure we get that right um, before the second reading. Um, in December. Mayor Finkel, I, maybe Randy or Tony, are we okay to adopt it on first reading with the change and then go to a second reading? Or how would you like us to make that motion? Uh, this is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. It's, it's very similar to what we just did on the uh, SUP. You can direct staff to bring it back on second, on second for second reading with, with the changes that have been suggested and if they're to your liking, then you can approve them. And if they're not to the city commission's liking, you can send it back to us and we'll do it again. I think I thank you for that. Commissioner Ananda then, I think you may proceed. This is Commissioner Ananda, Sherry, you're totally right. Um, I just skipped over the first reading at the beginning of the sentence for the first two, so thank you for correcting me. Um, so the first motion is adopt on first reading ordinance number 9891. Commissioner Larson, second. Mayor Finkel, a motion by Commissioner Ananda, a second by Commissioner Lawson. Commissioner Ananda? Aye. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Bully? Aye. Mayor Finkel, aye. aye. Passes five to zero. This is Commissioner Ananda. I would move that we adopt on first reading ordinance number 9892. Commissioner Larson, second. Mayor Finkel, aye. There's a motion by Commissioner Ananda, a second by Commissioner Lawson. Commissioner Ananda? Aye. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Bowley? Aye. Mayor Finkel, aye. aye. Passes five to zero. This is Commissioner Nada. I would move that we adopt Ordinance 9893 on first reading with the um, staff recommendation that they make the modified language that was proposed this evening before bringing it back for a second reading. Commissioner Larson, second. Mayor Fingal dies. A motion by Commissioner Ananda. A second by Commissioner Lawson. Commissioner Ananda? Aye. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Bully? Aye. Mayor Finkel, aye, aye, passes five to zero. Thank you all for your work on that. And uh, we'll look forward to the presentation in the spring. And uh, Marcy, I'm sure you'll take a look at the, the revised language before it comes back on the second reading. And we look forward to your input on that. Okay, that takes us to regular agenda item number four, um, which is to talk about our Kansas River Wastewater Treatment Plant. And I believe, is it Leah that has this one? 
is Leah Morris, Engineering Program Manager. Uh, thank you, Commissioners, for allowing me to present tonight. And I'm going to ask that Melinda Harder be allowed to share her screen at this time. Thank you, Melinda. Um, so I'm here to talk about the uh, Kansas River Wastewater Treatment Plan Improvement Projects and the nutrient removal. Um, next slide, please. Thank you, Melinda. Um, the project drivers for this uh, is the, uh, Mike Lawless was talking about it this evening in terms of our NPDES permit. Um, it's setting new nitrogen and phosphorus removal limits. Um, so we're going to need to upgrade our process improvements and then the asset management with the infrastructure. Um, I added this image. I think it's really important for everybody to understand the treatment plan as we have done improvements. I'm going to call out the blue areas, and those were uh, the biggest expansion that we did back in late 90s and early 2000, and that was the last major plant upgrade that we did to that plant. So it's been over 20 years in terms of a, a major improvement, and a lot of that equipment is approaching its useful life, if not beyond its useful life. Next slide, please. Um, I just wanted to discuss the timeline a little bit. Um, this is a, a fairly long project in terms of uh, our normal capital timeline. Back in July of 2020, uh, we came to commission and had engineering services uh, approved for Black and Beach where we completed uh, 11 technical memorandums and those 11 memorandums spanned on items such as the treatment improvements that we were going to do in terms of nitrogen and phosphorus removal. And then we even did memorandums um, on the critical asset uh, management and uh, did a study in terms of what kind of equipment we needed to upgrade and the priority level of that. Um, we identified during that time that it was best method to uh, consider this project for alternate delivery. And so we came to the commission in April of 2021 and received uh, approval for the CMAR method, construction manager at risk. Um, and if you remember, that's, uh, you know, we kind of identified it in terms of a lot of different risks with this project. The main one is that the plant has to remain in operation uh, during all of the construction, which obviously will be phased. This also gives us some capacity to look at value engineering so that we're cost effective and we're encouraging innovation between the collaboration um, of the owner and the contractor as well as the engineer, and then identify scope changes uh, as they arise and not as change orders. Um, so between April and August of this year, we advertised as an RFP for proposals for CMR services. Um, we had three respondents. We used the XPD uh, expertise driven process in order to review um, those proposals. And from that, we ended up interviewing all three firms, which were Garney, 
um, Crossland Heavy, as well as McCarthy Buildings. Um, from that process, uh, we, we rated and evaluated and uh, McCarthy Construction, or I'm sorry, McCarthy Companies uh, were the overall top rated firm for that. Um, so we entered into pre-construction negotiation services. Um, and that's what I'm asking for authorization on this evening. Um, and then just to conclude the future timeline, uh, we'll be doing engineering and CMR services, again, looking at those value engineering opportunities and, and deciding um, if we're going to enter into multiple guaranteed maximum price amendments in order to make sure that we're utilizing the budget effectively. And then we anticipate to begin construction on this project in January of 2023. And then we anticipate at this time to be final construction in, January, in July of 2025. Next slide, please. So that brings me to the action request. Um, I did prepare a memo uh, attached to this item as well. So I'm asking that the authorization for the city manager to execute a construction management agreement with McCarthy Building Companies in the amount of $250,000 for their pre-construction services um, and a 5.5% of the guaranteed maximum price for construction for the Kansas River Wastewater Treatment Plant Improvement Project. Um, this is what staff has negotiated um, with McCarthy and legal has also reviewed. And so that, that is the action that I'm requesting tonight. And I leave it open for questions from the commission and the public. Mayor Finglai, thank you, Leah. Questions from commission. Thanks, Mayor Shipley. Um, thank you, Leah. Um, I, I wonder if I might direct this at Melinda a little bit because my recollection is that um, that this methodology um, doesn't just give you more flexibility, but can, um, I believe at least in the instance that we were able to use it on another large project, um, result in real savings. So I wondered if, if Melinda could just generally talk about her experience uh, doing that for us in the past. Sure, um, Melinda Harger, Assistant Director of Municipal Services and Operations. And yes, we use the uh, construction manager at risk method for the police facility most recently. Uh, that project uh, was delivered on time and under budget. Um, we, we were able to utilize this method to really build in a lot of flexibility. And um, one of the things, if you recall, we shelled some of the areas and then we ended up finding additional budget and that additional budget could be worked in later. Um, so it, it definitely provided us a lot of value. Um, we had a great team and um, and I, I really can't say anything uh, bad about how that project went. It went really well. May I think I have questions? Seeing none, this is a public hearing item. If any member of the public would like to speak on this item, please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature and Sherry will call upon you. There's no public comment, Mayor. Mayor Finkelauer, we bring it back to the commission. I guess I just say that, um, Leah, thanks for this presentation. Um, 
you know, as we talk about the, the utility rates, obviously this is going to be one of our major expenditures over the next few years. And it's something we're going to continue to talk about. And I think it's important for the, the public and for us to understand this as we as we go forward. So um, I appreciate the, the presentation. Liam Morris, Engineering Program Manager. Thank you, Mayor Finkeldye. I, I do appreciate that. And I look forward to a successful project to uh, deliver to the city as well. Mayor Finkeldye, other comments, motions? This is Commissioner Ars. I'll make a motion if there's no more comments. Authorize the city manager to execute a construction management agreement with McCarthy Building Companies Incorporated in the amount of $250,000 for pre-construction services and 5.5% of the guaranteed maximum price for construction for the Kansas River Wastewater Treatment Plant improvements. I turn that up. Oh, go ahead, Vice Mayor. Yeah. Vice Mayor Shipley, second. Mayor Finkelai, there's a motion by Commissioner Lawson, a second by Vice Mayor Shipley. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Ananda? Aye. Commissioner Bully? Aye. Mayor Finkelai, aye, passes five to zero. Thank you, Leah. And that brings us now to the end of the regular agenda and to commission items. Any commission items this evening? See no commission items that brings us to the city manager's report, Craig. Good evening. Thank you, uh, Mayor. City Manager Craig Owens. Um, there's a few items of some pretty significance, uh, pretty big significance on here. Um, and I'll um, I'll just kind of pause and ask if there are any questions or anything we want to go into detail on. Some of these were referenced during some of the other presentations, most notably, um, you know, a report on our utility billing and the significant balance that we've accumulated. We've had a, um, a sorry, noise outside. Uh, we've had, um, we've suspended our collection activities since the early part of 2020 based on the pandemic. And um, we've kept that in place. Um, and we're the only utility locally that has kept that in place. Um, and it's something we need to start addressing. And uh, there's been um, some comments tonight about the assistance programs for those that need it. We've got existing programs. We've had many uh, residents take advantage of some of those, both the ones that um, we had through our pandemic relief uh, programs with uh, federal assistance and also the, the Kansas state assistance. Uh, and we stand ready to be flexible and uh, uh, may need to um, supplement uh, funding with the general fund in addition to the new program that's been put into place. So we expect a lot of people will start to make contributions towards, but that hasn't started yet. Um, but we do we do believe it's appropriate for us and responsible for us to start um, figuring out some ways to uh, work that the balances down and work with um, utility rate payers that um, are behind and help work with them to try and get these balances down. So we wanted to update you on that. Um, those are those are programs that um, um, we we will be working on. Um, 
We talked about the Wajayhawk Watershed Program. Matt Bond had mentioned it earlier, and we're happy to share you more information, but in the packet is some, some outlines of that. Those are important uh, watershed projects in our analysis that are going to mean a lot towards um, to respond to the rate um, discussions that we had today and the uh, support of the uh, stormwater utility rates and the, the work that is going to be done with that money as we collect it. So uh, we wanted to make sure that we had an update on that as well. So uh, happy to answer any questions. There's some other staff that are poised to uh, respond if you have any as well. This is Commissioner Larson. I do have a question about the um, decriminalization report that, that staff provided. Um, when I read through that, I didn't get a sense and I may have misread it, so that's why I want clarification as to are we actually working to look through the list to see if there's uh, items on there that we can um, de as part of the decriminalization process. I, I didn't get that sense from the memo, but again, if somebody could help me understand that better, I'd appreciate it. City Attorney Tony Wheeler, um, I wrote that report and have been working with the um, Interim Police Chief, the Fire Chief and Brandon McGuire on this project. Um, we are continuing to have discussions and we um, recently met with county officials to, um, to uh, determine how we can go forward. We, in our last meeting, we didn't officially go through the list. The um, the folks that we met with had had access to the agenda materials. We were really focusing on, you know, what other systems do we need to look at um, to to um, to reach the commission's goal. So we're still sort of in a uh, discussion phase, and we'll hope to solidify um, plans and um, bring a report back in the spring. Thank you. So you are looking at that. I'm sorry, Commissioner Larson. So you are looking at that list that, you know, was brought before the commission at one point in time. Is that correct? We do have that list. Yes. And it is um, continues to be a, a list that we are working from and, and discussing. Commissioner Larson, thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. That's it. Anything, right? Other questions for Craig? This is a public hearing item. If any member of the public would like to speak on any of the items on the C Manager's report, please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature and Sherry will call upon you. No public comment on this item. Mayor Fingal die. Okay, bring it back to the commission for any comments. This is Commissioner Ananda. Um, I think that I, I didn't bring it up in commission items because it's in here. But you know, one of the one of the things that I have I have brought to the commission, and I was so grateful that you know everyone has taken up and has been part of this dialogue. Even though I think, particularly around decriminalization, that's a difficult conversation, um, and I think that it feels really squishy, especially right now because we're still just kind of starting that conversation. And I think it's really easy to not do something like this um, and to allow the status quo to remain. Um, I think that doing this gives us an opportunity to be an innovative community and to really take a new, a new view on a problem that criminalization, frankly, hasn't solved. Um, and I think it would take 
massive steps towards bringing equity to our community, at least at the municipal level, which is where we have the most impact. Um, I also think that it speaks very deeply to our strategic plan in a way that is outside the box um, and that would move the needle forward for everyone in our community. So I know that I won't be here when this comes back, which um, breaks my heart a little bit, uh, but I do trust you all who will be here and our new commissioners to be willing to continue to move that forward, even though I know that it would be easier um, to, to let us at and wait um, to have this discussion, even if it doesn't look, you know, the way that we think it will look now in the future, even the process is valuable. So I just really look forward to that dialogue continuing and me being able to give plenty of public comment on it in three minute chunks. <laughs> No, Finkelai, thank you for those comments. Any other comments? If not, thank you, Craig. That moves us to the calendar. Any comments on the calendar? Mayor Finkelai, seeing none of those, I guess I look for a motion to adjourn. This is Commissioner. Go ahead, Commissioner. Go ahead, Commissioner Bully. It's both of our last chance. I'll second your motion. Commissioner Bully, I move to adjourn. Commissioner Nandai, second. Mayor Finkelai, there's a motion by Commissioner Bully, a second by Commissioner Nanda. Commissioner Bully. Aye. Commissioner Nanda. Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley. Aye. Commissioner Lawson. Aye. Mayor Finkelai, I will look forward to both Commissioner Bully's and Commissioner Nanda's comments, commission comments at the next meeting. Um, but this is the last time to adjourn, so. Mayor Finkel, I, I passes five to zero. See you all in early December. Mm.